When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Sosh. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Week 1 Overreaction Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Absolutely, that is the right way to frame it if you're NFL fans. If your team won, I don't care if they played terribly, had 15 penalties, whatever. if your team won, they're going to the Super Bowl. If your team did not look so good, oh, it's awful. We're going 0-16 or what? how many games do we have now? Did we have one this year? Yeah, right. 17. <laughs> you know, I'm so used to it. Isn't that funny, though? I, like you just so The number gets so ingrained in your head for my entire lifetime. 16 games. Yeah. All right. Now we'll add 17 and the revenue that comes with it. But Mr. Novi Williams, I've told you time and time again that the Soshnik friends from many, many years ago, even though they are grown, even though they have children... Many of them still utilize their Sunday for, I mean, blanket football. They will watch the pregame at 12, go to the 1 o'clock game, stay for the 4 o'clock game. Uh, Those who live in Manhattan ordering food in from all our favorite establishments. Uh, Then going right into the night game, you know, and still eating terrible food. And right up in, you know, till 11 midnight, whenever the game ends. All day football. I think much of America is the same way. It is, yeah, and that's the reason why the NFL is is on pace to about to be a twenty plus billion dollar uh, enterprise, right? It's the they, they they control the day, they control other days as well. Uh, Scott, some some interesting results on the field. I thought, and this may interest just me and you. Uh, four of the five most valuable clubs in 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 the NFL all lost uh, yesterday. Won't and, hurt their and, value. And, and and the Giants were the one that won. I think would have been maybe the one you would have thought least likely <laughs> to to win. I, by the way, my five. son. My focus group of one, and I, I found this out yesterday, has become a Titans fan. And I, he likes the logo, Is likes the Derek uniform, Henry? but for no reason, oh, it's he's logo? rooting for the... Okay. Yeah, he likes all that. So he's rooting for the Titans. And he was on his... This is, a, this is... I mean, this is why I call him my focus group of one. I'm downstairs watching on TV. He's not watching the game. He's on his Xbox playing with his friends or whatever. We had a, a day off from, from ice hockey, thank God. But so he got, I got a chance to be on his Xbox and he's playing. The guy misses the kick. I go upstairs. By the time I, it took, you know, listen, I'm not that, you know, decrepit. By the time it took me to go upstairs, get in his room, say he missed the kick. He knew. He knew. Somebody had like whatever, so Snapchatted him. He gets the alerts from, you know, who knows whether he's got ESPN, other alerts set up. But he already knew and he was on totally different platform, wasn't watching the game. This is how the future sports fans are going to consume this their 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 media and the sports league had better figure out how these kids want to get it he watches baseball games just every two seconds his phone vibrates because he's getting run updates that's Hmm. all he wants to know he doesn't need to sit there and watch it we were gonna go and this will tell you something we were actually we we were on the road evan we were in the car headed to yankee stadium for yankees and rays and the rain is picking up as we're driving. And I called a friend who was at Yankee Stadium. What's it like? He's like, it's well, it's kind of spitting here. 
I said, well, we're heavy in Jersey and we made the decision to turn around and go home. Hmm. Even though it was like a two and a half hour delay and then, you, you know, the eight, whatever. Nobody in my household was unhappy yeah. that we didn't get to the stadium, sit through a two and a half hour delay, sit outside in the wet, rainy day and watch them clobber the race. I can't blame you. I, I think the interesting part of this question that, that often gets lost, talking about your, your son and, and the way he's consuming sports right now, is when he's 25, is he still going to be consuming NFL games by, by chatting with his friends while he's playing video games? Or is he going to be looking more like the consumers that we think of as adults today, right? I was playing a lot of video games when I was your son's age. I, I play no video games now. Right. So, so if you were to look at my consumption habits back when I was 13 or 14 and said, oh, my gosh, this is totally different than his parents. This is the new. But now I watch TV like my parents did right now. I consume NFL games uh, just by watching them on on a television or, or, or streaming them. But th th in some ways, I, I am really interested in, in the ways in which your focus group of one and, and his generation the, the platforms are totally different. Whether not, he's not, they will never. He and his friends will never. I'm making the proclamation right now. Yeah. And the leagues are setting themselves up this way. He and his pals will never. I don't care what the screen is. Will never sit there for three hours. They will not focus on one event on one platform for three hours. Will not happen. Yeah, you might be right. You very well might be right. When he becomes a huge Titans fan and wants to watch all their games in two years, Scott, we'll uh, we'll readdress the topic. Yeah, exactly. By the way, would you see Dak Prescott broke his thumb, whatever, I, I, out, yeah. out for six to eight weeks? Oh, there, there's so much of of open. And we 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 mentioned at the beginning the overreactions, week one overreactions. Some of this just feels like deja vu. Tom yeah. Brady is ageless. The Cowboys might be bad again. Should the Green Bay Packers fans be worried about Aaron Rodgers? Is this team way better than we thought? Is this team way worse? Week one of the NFL season just always feels to have, has essentially the exact same storylines uh, for good and for bad. And, and most of it feels like it's, a, it's all a, a massive overreaction. There's only one thing that I would take away from week one. And let's see if you were paying attention. When we were talking about sports betting a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. we had you know our guests on, and what did I not? Did I not when we had points bet on, right? Yeah. Did I not give my lock of the week, lock of the season against the Jets? Yeah, take bet the, against can, the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Lay the points with the Jets. Yeah. Lay the points and take the other team. And like like, what, what was the spread in the Jets game? I don't even I'll, I'll I don't you, know, but it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't what they the, lost by. Yeah, they lost by thir 33, 35, something like that. Yeah. There right you now, go. Right, less than that. 15, All right, story 15. we broke over the weekend. Right? Patrick Soon-Shang taking a peek at the Los Angeles Angels. Now we know we have the owner of the Golden State Warriors, Joe Lacob. We've got Patrick Soon-Shang. What do they say in these things? You only need two. You need two bidders, but more bidders equals more money. We know these will not be the only two bidders projected two points. Something here. How high is this going to go? And what's the attraction besides, obviously, you know, just getting in the game? Patrick Sunshang, one of the richest men in L.A., owns a piece of the Lakers. He owns the Los Angeles Times. Joe Lacob, of course, owns the Golden State Warriors, majority owner there. So you, you've got some real folks with sports biz chops already in the mix, and that's sure to grow.
I keep hearing people wondering aloud about Steve Ballmer, who who already owns a pretty big LA sports franchise. He loves doing, basketball. Doing, I can't. I, I'm not saying there no. as well. But yeah, but this is based on nothing other than knowing Steve Ballmer. He loves basketball so much. <laughs> he is so focused on the new building, on creating like the basketball only experience. Uh, boy, I do I use a big word like a, a bifurcated attention span of Steve Ballmer oh. to two professional sports franchises doesn't even make sense to me. Like he's got he's got to be one track mind. If he had already won a championship with the Clippers, I would say, all right, maybe, you know, check that box. Maybe I'll look over here and see if there's something I can do on an empire, uh, on a Southern Cal empire. But and again, for all I know, maybe he's called over to to Sal Galatioto, who's been you know retained by the club to sell this thing, and said, "Yeah, sh- sh- you know, shoot me the numbers. I want in the data room." But I just can't see it. I-, I see him as being solely focused on winning an NBA title. Fair. And going back to your original point, uh, yeah, if you're Artie Moreno, if you're Sal Galatioto, who you just mentioned, that you love the idea that both Joe Lacob and Patrick Sunshang are both interested in in this team, as you said, the the, the more bidders and the more serious. High money, high net worth bidders, uh, the better it is. Patrick Sunshine was in the conversations about bringing it, uh, an NFL team to LA before the Rams kind of secured that process. Uh, he was in talks to buy DC United. He's someone who obviously cares a lot about, about sports as well. Um, and having a, a local team, an, an important one, would, would, would work well in his portfolio. By the way, I don't know if this is out there or if this has ever been out there because I, you know, I wasn't really intimately involved in the DC United process. Yeah. But when we, uh, when we sent our news alert about Patrick Sunshang, somebody texted me saying, you know, hey, did you know that he was looking to uh, SPAC DC United? Huh. And this is a while ago. So a little bit ahead of just everybody's been talking about SPACs in the last year or two. But prior to that, he was talking about spacking DC United. Would have been right around the time that the the Red Ball spack, backed by Billy Bean and, and and Redbird Capital, was talking about spacking the the Boston Red Sox, right? Which didn't actually end up happening. And then Red Redbird invested privately uh, in the wake of that. But I, from what I remember, I think that was a structure that that maybe Major League Baseball didn't love the idea of for for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, should we give our, our friend Steve Horowitz a shout out on the show? We know he listens all the time, but does it even matter out. anymore <laughs> when, when, when he's on? What, I'm curious, like if you're going to talk about a soccer team and SPAC and sort of business of soccer, you know, St- Steve is right up there with the people you, you want to talk to. But he sent us a clip. He was shout out from Rob McElhaney, right, with, uh, on uh, Stephen Colbert. So, like, does he even care about little old us anymore? Yeah, or is it, is, now it's only late night only. <laughs> Unbelievable getting that kind of shout out. But let's talk about Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, I did not watch, again, just consumption here. I was not watching the match and I did it on purpose because everybody was telling me to watch the match. So I didn't. I wanted to follow it on social media. Hmm. And it was it was fun to watch that way because imagine point by point. It's almost as if I'm wondering who sits there giving me point by point analysis because everybody can watch the match if they want to. Like, what's the purpose of giving me what a point he should have done this, the backhand down the line? What's the audience there except for people like me who are doing it like for experimentation? Your son. You just you started the podcast by saying that he's following these things by alternative methods. Yeah, I, I know, but I think I, I'm not sure they need point by point. I, it's a good point. Like, maybe yeah. he is. 
maybe he is sitting there following the tennis match and it wasn't enough to get me to flick it on. Yeah. I, I intentionally, it wasn't enough. Um, I caught the highlight when he was laying on the court after the win. That's great. But what does it mean from separate from a, a media exercise? And by the way, the, the hospitality, the high end, we've talked about the future of in arena, right? And we've talked about it being a higher end product. It's everything is moving towards smaller venue, premium, premium experience, premium hospitality. The U.S. Open is a perfect example, even though Arthur Ashe is a big tennis stadium, is a perfect example of that, that progress where everything's going to be built around the premium hospitality, premium spaces. And, and, and the way in which those spaces are most effective is if the product is good, obviously. And, 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 and we have talked on this show a lot about what happens in a couple years when, when the, the three main people, men specifically, who have dominated men's tennis for, for the past two decades are, are no longer winning a lot of matches. And well, this, we're there, man. We're here. We are. This, we're there. This feels like the, the coronation in some ways uh, of that happening. Carlos Alcaraz, who has been much hyped for so much of his very young tennis career. He's had a fantastic year already on tour. He's made over $7 million, but him getting his first grand slam here. Um, yeah, this feels like it is at least the start of a turning of the guard. Daniel Medvedev won the U S open last year. He is also a fairly young, probably future star for, for 10 plus years as well. But, but yes, it, it seems fitting that it happened in the same tournament that Serena Williams said goodbye, but, we are getting to the end of Roger Federer's career. We are getting towards the end of Rafael Nadal's career. Novak Djokovic probably not going to be that far behind them. This is a sport that that really does thrive, not just on incredible talents, but on compelling, bankable personalities. Carlos Alcaraz definitely feels like he fits both of those categories. He is both uh, an incredible talent and is genuinely compelling to watch. And, and that seems to bode very well for tennis, it, it does feel as though that the, 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 if, if you're a serious tennis fan, and I'm probably kind of somewhere in the middle between casual and serious, there is a lot, I think, to get you really excited about both men's tennis and women's tennis, but especially men's singles in the next 10 years. There's so many young stars. Casper Ruud, who now lost two Grand Slam titles this year in the finals. A lot of people excited about him. Francis Tiafoe, who is still very, really young, had a fantastic tournament. There's so much young talent in the men's singles draw. And Carlos Alcaraz winning this tournament feels like it is a really good thing for all of the business and its interests across tennis. I, I like to, when I lived near Central Park South, you know, the, two great, the two great, well, three great days or events, I would say, when, when you live near Central Park South in Manhattan. Can you want to take a guess at at what they are. Two are sport-related. Yeah, one, definitely the marathon. One is the marathon. Yeah. Unbelievably wonderful place. And by the way, my favorite is the day before the marathon where everybody does the training runs and everything. Okay, yeah. You, get, you meet everybody, you're out on Central Park South. Yeah, Fan, yeah, yeah. Fan, everybody smile. Fantastic, fantastic day. Okay, second one is US, uh, Open, US Open. Yeah. US Open because many of the tennis players utilize the hotels all around the area. Of course. And believe it or not, very accessible. I mean, I, I would go to the, the coffee shop around the corner, whatever. You bump into the players. They're all there. They're all just hanging out. We, we bumped into Federer uh, in Central Park with, with his kids at uh, the little amusement park there where the ice skating rink is in the wintertime. So like, I saw really Stan just... Warinka running right by your old apartment. By the there way. you go, Stan uh, Warinka running. Park, uh, yeah. uh, uh, my, my son, when he was like one years old, met Anna Ivanovich 
in the Starbucks, but they're all just kind of milling about. And they will, by the way, stop and talk. about it. It's really, really a, a cool thing that, that they're just out and about enjoying New York City, usually good weather. So everybody, whatever. And the third non-sporting event, best thing to... Like, I mean, you could, parades, can I guess? Pa- yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day Parade. parade. Thanksgiving Day Parade because it goes you know, down Central Park. Yeah. West and then... Around. Yeah. So that, you know, you, I never had to leave my apartment. The balloons would go right by, which is fantastic. But question for you. Carlos Alcaraz, at this moment, walks from Central Park down Pickin Avenue that goes downtown, you know, down Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue. Now, loaded with tourists, so maybe they'll, they'll pick him out. How yeah. many people would know, would recognize, would stop and look, would, hey, can I take a, a selfie? With Carlos Alcaraz at this moment. If it was two weeks ago, I'd say not a lot. Right now, cer- certainly more. And, and you're right. The fact that it's heavily a lot of tourists in that area is going to help him, I think, in terms of getting yeah. recognized. Um, but I think in, in two or three years, yeah, it doesn't seem crazy to think that he could he could have a following in, in the way that Nadal did when he was that, that same age. That, that it, it does feel like, and tennis is, and we talked about this with Ahmad Nassar a few weeks ago, it is a, it is a uniquely global sport in a way that not many sports are. Um, and, and that is really beneficial in some markets, and it can be, it can, it, it can be a damper I- I in others. But yeah, right now, a 19-year-old Carlos Alcaraz, the day after winning the U.S. Open, I think could walk down Fifth Avenue and probably not be too, I mean, people would recognize him, I think, for sure, but it wouldn't be yeah, a he's huge carrying the thing. trophy over his head. But I think that will that will change if he continues to live up uh, to this potential. I, I mean, I feel the same way about Coco Goff, right? Who could probably walk down Fifth Avenue and not a lot of people would recognize her. But in in three years, certainly seems possible that she could be a kind of sporting sensation in the way that we've seen the best American women's tennis players, the Williams sisters, uh, be sporting sensations for the past for the past two decades. Yeah, I'm it's going to take a little while. Yeah. Let me put you on the spot because I can, and it's fun. So Kurt Bodenhausen, as you know, always writes about the endorsements and how much they make off the, off the court versus on the court. I know what Federer's wheelhouse is. There's yep. a refinement. There's the watch. There's the luxury car. I get it. That's the ambiance that is Roger Federer. Give me, not, not big picture, but give me companies that you think makes sense as an alignment with Carlos Alcaraz. Which companies make sense for him, his personality, his style of play, where he is right now? I, honestly, and this is a tough question to answer. I said I'll put you, I, I said I'll put you on the I, I don't know him all that well. I think all of those same companies. If I'm a tennis player, that, that is one of the benefits of my sport, and it's the same with golf, is that the companies that want... The, the, the people that follow the demographic my sport, of the audience, the makes demographic of the audience, the, the okay. types of companies that want to reach those people is a very specific thing. And they tend to be companies that are very high end. They're luxury, they're luxury companies. They tend to pay very well. I think you have to lean into that. If, if you're Carlos Alcaraz or any tennis player, it would be foolish. I think to be the best tennis player in the world and start looking at, and no offense to Anheuser-Busch, but start looking at Anheuser-Busch as, as the company you want to partner with when there's probably a, a high-end vodka or a high-end whiskey company that, that, that wants to pay you a lot more. I think that's, t- to me, that is one of the draws of being one of the best tennis players, one of the best golfers in the world. I did notice, Scott, kind of along the same lines, and this may have always been this way. I never noticed it before. My partner pointed it out when, when we were watching the end of one of the matches. Every match now, when whoever wins and when they do the interview, they reach into their bag, they pull out an expensive, fancy watch, 
and they put the watch on before they go out to, to center court. To Didn't Rafa used interview. to play with the watch on the entire time? So Rafa played, I think it's a Patek Philippe. He plays with the watch on. Most of them do not, but all of these players, both the men's and the women's that I was watching, would pull out after the match. First thing they do, reach into the bag, yeah. put a fancy gold or silver watch on. So when you do the interview, it's yeah. on your wrist. Carlos Alcaraz was one of those players. So if you watch closely, when he won yesterday, went to the boat, collapsed, cried, Went back to his bag, put the watch on, and then went and did the interview. Well, business is business. You know, when you should go do your interview and you know, make sure you put whatever it is, a beverage right in front of you on the on the dais. You know, we're, we're getting to that point where you really have to go above and beyond. And by the way, more so than just sort of I'm taking dollars to do this, more and more, the Carlos Alcarazes of the world will be equity stakeholders in these products. Like they'll be they'll be building companies and products way more. Than just taking endorsement dollars, I have a vested interest in making sure that these companies and these products succeed. Without question. All right. We also wrote about Andy Lustgarten. Uh, I've known Andy for a long time. He was the CEO and president, uh, I guess he still is for now, of MSG Sports, which of course is the parent company of the Knicks and the Rangers. He is stepping away, effective January 1. Dave Hopkinson is moving up to COO and president. MSG has not yet hired a CEO to replace. Andy Lustgarden, uh, right? Record revenue at MSG Sports, especially coming off of uh, the, the the pandemic. Um, is that a business that's sort of just humming along? You you know you talked uh, you talked to Andy as well. Just curious your 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 take on where MSG Sports is and where's the room to grow. Um, you know, it, it was spun off from MSG Entertainment, so we're talking about Knicks, Rangers, Madison Square Garden. Uh, Seems as if uh, things are, are doing pretty well over there, even if the Knicks aren't winning championships. What's the holy grail of sports ownership, right? You own the team, you own the building, and you own the network. And team venue network. You and got MSG, it. there have been spinoffs, so they're not exactly the same. Oh, wait, wait a minute, now, though. Do we, do, we have, do we have to broaden that now? Are, are we now? Real estate? <laughs> well, well, team, yes. I mean, it's great you own the building, but do you own the entertainment district around it? Yeah. Do you own an international property? That's also shown on maybe not only just your your RSN, but your global streaming platform. Like you and I, we've been saying it so long that I don't think we've yeah, updated. Yeah, maybe the Holy the, Trinity is now. Yeah, we have Holy not updated Trinity. the model yeah. in a long time. We're gonna have to start. Like we, we're gonna have to talk to some of the folks in the business who are multiple entities around the world and say, "What's the new Holy Trinity?" Yeah, that's interesting. And 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 for now, at least, MSG has the original Holy Trinity. The, the Knicks are one of the top, I believe, five most valuable. Sports teams in in the U.S. I think we have them at six point something billion. The Rangers are the top one of the top two most valuable clubs in the NHL. The valuations are obviously soaring. You mentioned record revenue. MSG Sports, which is the, the Knicks, the Rangers, and a few development and esports teams. Yeah, they not only do they have record revenue and record operating profit. Every single, according to the company's uh, earnings report, every single big revenue item was up. So that's ticketing, that's media rights, that's suites, it's sponsorships, it's food and merchandise. All of those things are up. So yeah, it seems certainly clear that right now is a good time for MSG Sports. And what that means relative to Andy deciding to step aside, who knows? I do think this is an interesting job because as, as Knicks fans complain about all the time, Jim Dolan actually runs the day-to-day of the Knicks, I believe he he technically does with the Rangers as well. There's, I'm sure, an interesting dynamic there between whoever's running MSG Sports and and Jim Dolan and his family and his own control there. Uh, but yes, from a business standpoint, it certainly seems like 
uh, after a pandemic in which things were obviously really bad for maybe owning a, a ton of venues and owning some sports teams was one of the worst businesses to be in yep. uh, for, for, for a year and a half there coming out of that and then immediately posting uh, records that, that, that far surpassed your 2019 numbers. All of that seems to be a good thing for MSG. All right. So one media component, MSG. Let's go to a second media component with four letters, ESPN. Uh, Dan Loeb, activist investor, had said he wanted a spinoff of ESPN from the Disney family. Uh, Bob Chapek the other day came out, said, well, I've got some real plans for ESPN. <laughs> you know, I want to elaborate and enumerate the reasons why we should keep ESPN the family and things we, we can do with it. And lo and behold, Mr. Loeb has uh, changed his position and saying that ESPN should remain under the Disney mothership. Uh, I am not surprised by that. I think it fits in the ecosystem and, and it does benefit from the, the parent company positioning uh, with especially on the media side, if you're going to wind things in with Disney and Hulu, and that there are there is mutual benefit, a symbiotic relationship to being underneath the Disney um, umbrella and not as a just separate spin out company. But interested to see that ESPN always, always in the news, whether it's its personnel, whether it's pricing, whether it's uh, programming. Um, and now we're seeing like college sports, uh, obviously Disney and ESPN. Firmly in the mix there. A lot, of, a lot of good revenue opportunities, I think you would agree, coming down the line for ESPN. Yeah, Dan Loeb is, is obviously a, a massive name in this world, a notable activist investor. I would think if you're Bob Chapek, you're thrilled about this result, right? If someone who has consistently advocated for something other than what your company is doing or maybe intends to do, if you can get him or her to publicly say, I'm changing my position on this. I've been convinced by the leadership. Uh, that doesn't happen all that often, and that seems like a massive win. The In reading through kind of all the details here, it doesn't seem like there's been all that much actually specific details given by by the Disney leadership about all the ways in which they do plan to use ESPN and maybe weave it into a lot of its other other Bet you other Dan knows more than I do. Hundred percent, and 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 you know, I I see all the, the 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 light ways in which this happens, in which IP from things like Marvel and Pixar end up on Sports Center for random things. I'm sure there's there's a lot more in depth than that, or even just the bundling of of Hulu and Disney Plus and, and ESPN Plus all together. So it seems as though there are some interesting plans. The, the, the knock has always been that there's ESPN feels like it is a different company with different synergies than a lot of the rest of the Disney platform but yes it, it does certainly feel as though there's there's an ability to do those to weave those things in better and if dan loeb is publicly convinced that that there is a plan there then i'm obviously excited to see what that looks like i don't remember i was, in a, I was at a restaurant or oh no 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 it wasn't a restaurant aha i remember uh i was at niagara falls not long ago we had a hockey tournament in buffalo so focus group of one and i went on the maid of the mist right and to get back to the elevator to go up it was a very disney-esque experience I had to, absent like picks and shovels and, and spiked shoes where I could climb the stuff, I had to go through the gift shop to get out. And I, I just, and I commented, oh my God, like I'm in, I'm at Disney World. This is, I, I hate it. I, I get it. I get it, but I hate it. Anyway, we should remind everybody to please read the uh, story that we're doing on succession planning. Uh, number one was out last week. Number two out today. More to come as the NFL season starts. You want to tease next week's guests, what we got coming up? 
Yeah, we're talking to Tony Khan, son of Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shad Khan. He runs AEW, the the wrestling uh, federation, and also uh, is uh, very involved with Fulham, the English soccer team uh, in the Premier League right now. So a lot of different hats that Tony Khan wears, a lot of different roles across some of the biggest uh, international sports, but certainly interesting to hear from him about a way in which those are different, Scott, and, and, and the many ways in which a lot of these things kind of boil down to the same things. All right. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I'm Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producers, Matt Whitehurst. Matt, thank you very much. Our digital media editor, Cora Veltman. She loves when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become. I am working on it, getting closer. See, claro, claro. Vamos a hacerlo, Eben. You understand that? I do, I do, and I know where okay. it's going. Entiendes? Que bueno, que bueno. All right. Uh, how do I close this after my Spanish? What do we say at the end? This is on you, buddy. So this whole thing's on me? Yeah, you, you make fun of me closing. You got to right, bring it out. I couldn't finish with the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Podcast Network.